Hello and welcome to the Financial Marketeer interview series. This week I'm joined by Danielle Ferguson, Partnerships Marketing Manager for the Money and Pensions Service. The organisation has just completed the official launch of its new consumer-facing brand, Money Helper. All rebranding projects come with potential challenges, but none more so than in the case of Money Helper, which exists to consolidate three strong legacy brands. The Money Advice Service, the Pensions Advisory Service and PensionWise. Danielle talks me through the extensive research that was undertaken, the ways the organisation has identified and mitigated against risk, and how the organisation will measure success. Please enjoy hearing about this huge rebrand project. Thank you very much for joining me today. Um, there's kind of lots I want to go through in our conversation, and I want to focus particularly on on the new Money Helper brand that I know you've you've recently launched as an organisation. So kind of to get us going, I wanted to understand the context around launching that brand because I'm, I'm aware that there are a few different brands that it sits alongside or that it's possibly taking over from. So I wonder if you could just sort of set the scene. What led to the start of Money Helper? Yeah, sure. So kind of um, MAPS was created. So Money and Pension Service was created as a single body. And the point of that was to bring together products, services and content. And that was under the three legacy brands, which the money advice service, the pensions advisory service and pension wise, essentially to make it more efficient, make it easier for consumers to find what they're looking for and to provide a joined up service. And this kind of led to actually bringing together those legacy brands, those three legacy brands into one single consumer facing brand. Okay, um, and so these these legacy brands, I I, th- I think they from from having a look online, they you can sort of still access them. What's the long term plan with those? Will they be retired? Yeah, so actually, from the full launch on the thirtieth of June, they were retired. So at, there are kind of redirects in place to redirect um, consumers from the money advice service, the pensions advisory service, and pension wise to money helper and particularly for specific kind of articles and tools and things they're redirected to a like for like money helper page so the idea mm-hmm. is that we'll still keep the you know we'll still retain the rights for those um, brands but they will be retired um to kind of ensure that you know particularly in in the money you know from from a finance from one finance person to another there's a lot of kind of um scams and things in the background so making sure that those are protected are quite key as well mm-hmm Okay, so it's it's a big change, isn't it? And um, what what yeah. was the process that the organisation worked through to to say we've got three brands here, we want to consolidate them into one? What helped you to decide that was the right way to go? So we we carried out kind of extensive research to find the most effective way of bringing the three legacy services together as one. So through a lot of the research, we concluded that one like a single consumer brand would be most effective at achieving our aims. And also kind of realizing our vision of maps, which is everyone making the most of their money and pensions. So we did quite a lot of research. There was financial analysis. There was careful consideration, particularly like user testing and things with um, audiences such as our struggling and squeezed who are quite um, our kind of key target audience who we support with our money and pensions guidance. And Money Helper resonated as the strongest performing brand identity to take forward. And some of those kind of reasons why it landed particularly well was that essentially it does what it says on the tin. So we know from finance it can be quite a challenge to navigate and it can often have quite a lot of jargon. So ensuring it was quite clear and understood from the get go was key. So name is quite ambiguous. It leaves nobody in doubt about what the service does. 
um, helper also signified a personable and human note. So particularly behind our, um, you know, behind Money Helper are people. There's our operational centers, our pensions and money guidance um, specialists who support our consumers on the phone, web chat, online. So it's important that that was kind of reinforced as well. Um, also doesn't pigeonhole our organization because it needs to work for crisis support and prevention guidance. So someone who may be coming to us just to, you know, start building up their savings pot or trying to budget their money better through to someone who needs kind of urgent debt advice. Um, also kind of in terms of the branding, the, we have a quite strong um, arrow graphic and the semiotics of that arrow work really well to encourage action. So what came across quite a lot in the consumer research was that people want to be given guidance, they want to be able to be signposted or nudged in the right direction, but they want to be given the tools and the confidence to take that action forward themselves. So, and, and that kind of ties in really well with um, the brand idea, which is clarity that empowers. So giving people that clear money and pensions guidance for them to make a decision and take that forward. And kind of lastly, on the kind of why the money helper landed quite well was the architecture kind of reinforced and supported signposting to different categories. So you have money help with um, pensions, money help with debt, money help with benefits. So it's very clear what, what we're supporting. And that, um, that those consolidations of free brands meant we're, we're now able to provide a better and enhanced consumer experience. So we have a single source of information and guidance where information can be found in one place rather than three different sources. So there was kind of um, duplication of content, there was duplication of efforts across the three legacy brands, which will now be streamlined and much more effective. Um, and it means it's also easier for our partners and our stakeholders to signpost to as well, because they used to have to kind of make a call or, or get guidance from us on who of the free organizations we'd link to, whereas that's much clearer now. Um, so since Money Helper, since the Money Helper website launched on the 30th of June, all the content that was on those legacy websites has been consolidated and migrated to the Money Helper website. So it's much more streamlined. There's, um, you know, the content is efficient, it's fit for purpose, um, and that it's a lot more helpful for people. Yeah, okay, it's interesting. And something else I wanted to sort of explore the idea was, did you have to, were there risks associated with consolidating multiple brands into one? Did you, it, throughout your research, did you um, uncover any risks that you had to kind of uh, make plans to avoid? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one of the key risks were around our legacy brands. So our legacy brands have a lot of kind of clout and real high awareness amongst consumers, and that was important to retain. So notice one of the, um, one of the we kind of took a, a slightly different approach with the pension wise as opposed to the money advice service and the pensions advisory service. So the money advice service and pensions advisory service have become money helper, but pension wise has actually been retained as a service from money helper. And that was, there's quite a lot of brand equity in PensionWise um, that it holds within the pension space. So it was important to retain that as well. And also particularly in light of when I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of scams, particularly in the pensions area that we wanted to make sure that we could try and um, mitigate that as much as possible. Um, and it served having a unified kind of pensions off offering without losing the strong brand awareness of PensionWise. Um, and additionally, to kind of support that credibility and help consumers prepare, we um, we have website redirects on our on a website. So there are website when someone gets redirected from one of our legacy websites, they get a pop up that says, you know, looking for money help, looking for the money advice service or 
looking for pension wise or looking for the to pensions advisory service we're now money helper and that's leveraging the awareness of our legacy brands to build that credibility in money helper um and then there's kind of additional things we've done like using the hm government logo to um because that performs really well in user testing to add that credibility so i think the the main risk was making sure that we kept you know we have to build um, awareness of Money Help as a new brand, but also leveraging and utilising the, the brand awareness and the strong kind of um, awareness and equity of the other brands going forward. Yeah, okay. And something else I was sort of interested to know about was because you've you've got the Money and Pension Service, which I, as I understand, is this sort of uh, maybe the corporate identity and then Money yes. Helper is the consumer. How, is there any sort of, have you experienced any kind of confusion amongst consumers in terms of where they should be going uh, one, one area that i do a lot of work in is on, on search optimization for instance and do you mm-hmm. find it challenging to make sure that perhaps google serves up the correct site at the correct time so in terms of um no so actually because a lot of those legacy brands were in were in place before maps was um, maps was developed which was in april 2019 there was quite a good knowledge of those consumer services and the only um like within like our partnerships teams and our kind of corporate team that's where we started building kind of the awareness of maps but maps re- remains our as you mentioned remains our corporate brand so it's how we speak with our partners our industry stakeholders our employees and money helpers our consumer service so what was really key was making sure that people understood um kind of our consumers understood that actually money advice service, the pensions advisory service and PensionWise are now money helper. And that's through kind of our messaging on the website. We did um, about four to eight weeks before the full launch, we had banners on the legacy websites to say to people that will be changing over to money helper. Um, we obviously had additional work kind of SEO in the background to make sure that Google recognizes um, the redirects and, and things like that. Um, so yeah, there, I don't think there's been too much um, confusion because Fortunately, those um, legacy organisations were in place before Maps began, and Maps was still only speaking as the corporate brand then before Money Helper came about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay, that makes sense. Um, so, so what you've spoken a lot there about the research that took place um, and the way that you kind of mitigated against any risks. So, what what was the process in terms of launching the new brand? in terms of maybe strategic view to to make it a success? Um, Were there specific steps you went through? Did you roll it out over a certain amount, a certain period of time? Did you stop and review as you went? So I think um, there was a number of things we did that was quite iterative. So one of the key things that we did was um, engage with our stakeholders. So we had a series, we've been engaging with stakeholders over the last 12 to 18 months. And that was really important for our partners and stakeholders to know what was going on and why and how they would be impacted because we recognized that, you know, in 2021, the last year, partners linked to us over 900,000 times. So we know how valuable partners are to what we do here at MAPS and how they help us achieve our aims and objectives and help us deliver our 10-year financial wellbeing strategy. So it was really important that we engage with them as well to get um, a you know, to let them know what was happening, but also get their insight and thoughts into how how that could take place um, and how we could support them. So we put a lot of things in place. We do regular kind of communications with them um, via our um, corporate affairs team. 
and um, we also developed kind of brand marketing and assets so you know we had brand guidelines tone of voice we had a webinar announcement in march which was a uh, this kind of up when we publicly said we're changing to money helper um and, and then people could come along ask questions and we have a we talk it on the website as well so that's to help people kind of change their references from the legacy website the legacy brand sorry to money helper but also support around how they could cascade the messaging out to their audiences via their stakeholders and give kind of clarity on what the changes are and when we've been engaging with them like as much as you know we fully launched on the 30th of june we're not expecting our partners or stakeholders to make that transition immediately we recognize that there are you know there's different planning things in in place and resource and capacity to consider so we know it's going to be a transitional period so we expect over the next six to 12 months for people to start making those changes bit by bit and that that covers kind of our not just our um the annual you know january to december year but also the financial year because we recognize people can plan quite far ahead you know banks those kind of institutions as well mm -hmm. absolutely um and you mentioned there how important your, your partners are what, what types of organizations are your partners so we work with um we work with quite a vast amount of um, organizations so in terms of the organizations we engage with in stakeholders they we're largely a lot of the strategic stakeholders we work with. So looking at kind of DWP, um, the FCA, so organizations that kind of support um, support that wider engagement. But also we worked with some banks, um, trade associations that, rep that um, represent the organizations who are mandated to link to us because there is a lot of kind of regulation around pensions providers having to link to us and things like that. So, um, but that was that was at that level but then there, we obviously have a, a dedicated partnerships team as well who engage with a vast amount of organizations from organizations through to charities um credit unions um higher education providers um and specific kind of dwp bodies so particularly like the um the rapid response units and things like that so at different levels it, it's quite different but we we do kind of cover quite a vast amount because there are various money and pensions guidance touch points for those organizations whether it's for their employees or their service users or their customers mm -hmm. so it's quite broad okay um something else i'm always quite interested to hear about is what what does the what, what who are the people behind a big project like this what does the team look like is it a large team is it a team of people in different locations um or is it a, quite a tight unit of people making the decisions also, in terms of the so the working program team was was quite big, so largely made up of employees across the digital marketing IT directorate in our team. So that covered um, teams from development and production through to user experience, brand and marketing, content. So quite a vast array because there are various touch points and um, considerations to bear in mind as well. Um, in terms of the we had um, an SLT sponsor and an ELT sponsor, so senior leadership and executive leadership who was kind of heading up the programme. But the, the actual programme team was was really robust and we had a dedicated programme manager to support that as well. Yeah, OK, so quite a, quite a large set of people to make this all happen. Yeah, absolutely. It was definitely a team effort. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so now that it's you've kind of had the, the formal launch at the end of June, what what is um, what does success look like? How will you be measuring whether this has been a success? I guess there's there's various levels of that, and you're kind of monitoring it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So our, 
our ultimate measure of success and kind of the long term is seamlessly transitioning from our legacy brands to money help and that's through all the touch points so digital telephony social media print partner channels but as we said before like we recognize it will take time and there's a transition period and other kind of um, key milestones and things will be we're constantly monitoring traffic and brand awareness to see you know that brand awareness increases throughout at different stages so we have kind of different times mapped out where we where we will um we'll be reviewing that and that's to make sure we're keeping on the process reiterating things and um, enhancing things where we need to but essentially ensuring money helpers doing what it's intended to do which is to help people so there will be yeah it's absolutely not we've not just launched it and, and now that's it we will continue to make sure there's um iterative um amendments and that we can ensure that it's doing what it needs to do to to serve you know to serve the the uk and um, supporting with their money and pensions guidance mm -hmm. and are there sort of specific metrics that the organization is gathering to to monitor whether certain things are working or is it more is it is it more complex than that no absolutely there's definitely specific metrics so particularly around traffic so a lot of our um, consumers historically came from the website. So making sure, as you mentioned before, around Google and making sure we're still ranking and that those redirects are coming through. Um, also um, brand awareness, so brand through brand tracking and activity. So that's kind of the key metrics. But then generally um, from our other sides, like seeing that our partners are making those changes. So we'll be able to monitor where they're using kind of legacy URLs that we can support them and, and make those changes. And also, you know, changing over our kind of key branded material, whether that might be like co-branded um, co brochures and, and things like that. So there'll definitely be different touch points. Um, there'll definitely be different areas that we would consider but we do absolutely have a number of metrics in place that we can keep checking to make sure that we're actually like moving the dial. Okay. And, and has the, in terms of how the team itself works in the organization mm -hmm. has along with the, maybe the restructuring of the brand has the team had, had to restructure as well, or is it, is it pretty much the same organize, you know, the same setup just now operating under a, one coherent brand oh yeah no it's definitely the latter there's not been any um shift and, and change we're still very much in you know in the same space we were but we'll just be working probably a bit more efficiently um more collaboratively and yeah it's all under one umbrella so as much as um you know to money helper for for consumers money helper is a single consumer brand but there's still those those teams that make up the back end of that the operational center so we have a dedicated kind of pensions guidance team money guidance team and then the pension wise team which is um which is provided partly by um partly by maps but maps colleagues but also citizens advice so a lot mm. of those things are, are still very much in place and there hasn't been a shift just in that we'll be probably working smarter working more collaboratively and um there'll be a bit more of a considered approach to to kind of changes and enhancements going forward. Okay, um, and then taking the conversation back a little bit throughout the throughout what we've been talking about, you've mentioned the importance of um, the research into your target audience and, and their needs mm -hmm. and requirements. Um, what what were the methods you used to do that? Was it were there various different methods, and and how how long a period was it that you carried out that research? So I think a lot of the research happened before actually any of the any of the work. So I know there's been probably a two year period. So I joined a year ago and before then there was a lot of kind of research happening 
in the background. So that was around, so there was kind of two main streams, which was the consumer research, which was looking at kind of the naming of money helper and seeing what people needed. But then there was the user experience, um, which was around the website as well. So as much as we are moving, moving the free brands over and consolidating, we needed to make sure that the, the new money helper website was fit for purpose and, you know, improved on our legacy brand. So there was a lot of kind of user testing focus groups and kind of individual and they were individual testing with people particularly within our struggling and squeezed um, groups which are people that may be struggling financially or a bit tight on money so kind of those those um, consumers that we generally tend to help and the majority of the time and they yeah and they would feed into kind of the navigation and the look and feel and you know, things like us using the HM government logo came out from that research because people felt actually, you know, I might, people may land on this and not be too sure who Money Helper is. They might not have had any previous engagement with um, the legacy brands. How would they know if it's credible? So those kind of things came through. That was the kind of the two main methods. And then we, we also tested at various stages, particularly with the website to make sure things are fit for purpose. We also had a pilot and um, the the pilot stage on the 7th of June so about three weeks before the full launch and we got feedback um, via the website and things like that from from stakeholders from consumers so there's definitely been um, different state at different stages that user research has fed into fed into kind of money helper in general but also particularly on the website to make sure that user journey was effective okay and and all of that research it, it obviously generates a lot of data does that all funnel into is there a centralized pr- place where all of the kind of requirements end up and is it, it i guess there's a team responsible for for maintaining a, a list or something yes yeah, so that kind of feeds into kind of our analytics so we, we used a lot of that research and, and still continue to do so for um kind of future activity but a lot of those um, user testing and things come through from our analytics and our monitoring that we'll be doing kind of over the next six to 12 months, looking at kind of all touch points, not just consumers, but how partners and stakeholders are making that transition, um, how media are re- um, receiving the new um, brand as well. So, yeah, there's definitely, um, there's definitely an iterative um, process for that as well. Mm. Okay. Um, so just moving our, our conversation on to a slightly different topic then, I wanted to have a chat about your career. Cause, uh, so I understand as it, uh, right now you're partnerships marketing manager. So what does that role entail? Um, so it's actually a really interesting role. It's a kind of a bit of a, a hybrid role. So I sit in the brand and marketing team, but my, my main internal stakeholders are the partnerships team. And that's our regional managers and partnerships managers across the across England, but also our devolved nations, so Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And that's in helping them communicate um, financial well-being to their to their stakeholders. So um, that, as I mentioned before, that could be really vast from charities to banks through to trade associations. And I help with communicating that. So whether that's through um, you know, a, a master, like a slide deck and presentation that allows them to communicate financial well-being and how they can support through to kind of brochures or pull-up banners through to kind of campaign activity. So it's quite it's quite vast, actually, and, and really interesting because they work with such wide organisations and they all work in different regions. So they all have different kind of challenges and, and different approaches as well. So it lends itself to a very varied role. OK. And, and 
what so you mentioned before that you've been with the organization for about a year so what came before that what led you to this point in your career so um i back my career began in a higher education and i worked in an outreach capacity and we actually then restructured the marketing department about six months later and that was my first kind of foray into marketing so i'd, I'd studied journalism communication studies and spanish at uni um so i hadn't done any marketing um before then, but actually got a first-hand insight by the restructure. So worked with various teams, recruitment, PR, content, social, and having worked at the hired, at the university for quite a while, kind of recognized that I needed to expand my kind of digital expertise, particularly on campaigns and digital marketing activity. So I worked with quite a few um, non-profit organizations. So we like the British Council, industry bodies, and trade associations. So I worked with um, trade association for the mining industry, which is really interesting. That was the role before and um, maps and environmental health. So I worked across quite a vast, a vast array and also um, worked in an accounting firm a few years ago. And that gave me my first insight into financial marketing as well. But I also recognised from a personal perspective that I need to also work for an organisation where I had a passion for what I did as well as the like for what I was promoting. Um, and I ended up with Maps because that was a really nice fit in terms of financial marketing and linking to my kind of altruistic nature, which is helping people essentially. So there was quite, yeah, there was quite, um, it was quite a, a process and, and a journey. But it, I absolutely had really great experience and um, access to different experiences and projects and stuff, which really improved my expertise and 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 got me to where I am today. Yeah. Okay. That's really interesting. And something else I've, I've been asking a lot of the people I speak to recently is to try and get to the heart of what makes financial marketing unique when compared to other forms of marketing. And I guess um, where you work is, is kind of a good example of that because it highlights that finance affects everyone's lives. Um, so that's probably one yeah. of the things, but what would you say makes working in financial marketing unique? So I'd say, um, so I think the all the data and analytics you have, and I think you can get a great sense of purpose knowing the impact of your work as well. So like you said, knowing how many consumers you've helped for a particular activity over a period of time. But I think for me as a marketer, being able to see the impact of my work is really important and satisfying. And because finance is driven by data and statistics, there is often, you know, you could get a real sense of scale in, in terms of how you supported people and, um, and it's just it's quite interesting because because data and statistics are so um, intrinsically part of financial marketing. I feel there's a lot more there's a lot more opportunity. You can you can hone your marketing more so because you have a lot of data to draw to draw on. You can be a bit more innovative as well because you need to be to kind of compete in the marketing space and kind of as I mentioned before, kind of showing your credibility. There's so many um, organisations out there trying to take opportunity of consumers and scam them and and things like that. So always, I think the what's quite unique about financial marketing is always how you ensure that. Um, consumers are at the heart of what you do and demonstrating credibility and trust at every level and that's what's um, quite interesting and can be quite a challenge actually but it makes it kind of it keeps it interesting and keeps it um, yeah it keeps it quite rewarding to be honest. Yeah for sure and it, it reminds me of someone I spoke to recently described it as described working in financial marketing as operating within a rigid box and you have to be creative within quite strict boundaries in terms of regulation yeah. that surrounds it. Do, do you find Absolutely. that that 
I mean, I personally find that quite energizing because you, you have to kind of find a creative solution to something within a certain set of rules. Do you find similar thing? Yeah, yeah no, I absolutely do. And I think we have the additional, not just um, financial marketing, but being an arm's length body as well. So we are funded by government and we are funded by the financial services levy. So we do actually have to be quite careful. And, and that, But that does, I do feel quite energized by it as well, because you do have to be quite creative and innovative. But then finding um, finding solutions that work can be really rewarding when you know, you know, when you see the impact of that, when you see numbers, you know, numbers in the campaign rise or um, that brand awareness on particular activities rise. So, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you on that. Cool. And um, so a question that I usually finish my my interviews on um, is, is about getting advice from the people I speak to for others who would who are moving into a similar role uh, or perhaps at the start of their journey into a career in marketing what would you say to that that sort of person in terms of what should you focus on to really make the most of of what comes next so i think kind of recognizing that like all disciplines like financial marketing as much as it's quite specific having marketing a background from other industry and sectors can be really helpful as well because you know the financial industry has been around for such a long time and bringing in kind of fresh perspectives from your different experiences working in different sectors or industries or organizations can be a real benefit as well um, and can really help kind of progress and innovate the organization you might be as well um, and I think making sure that you're really looking at kind of data and statistics and how that can help you no it's probably like um, in my previous job I used to do quite a lot of um, digital stuff which is probably not my as much as you know it's an aspect of my job it's probably not my strongest set but it's quite it's really helpful to have that as well and to build on that so if you're able to build on your kind of um, analytical um, analytical skills and reasoning and be able to be able to present that in a really compelling way then I think it would definitely help you within financial marketing. As always I would like to say a huge thank you to my guest Danielle Ferguson. If you've enjoyed listening to this interview please visit us at financialmarketeer.com where you can hear all of the other interviews in the series and don't forget to join us again next time because we've got some great guests lined up. Thanks for listening.